You're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. Bites, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride and on Twitter at Slow Ride Pod. Hello and welcome to the 461st episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in the city beautiful Orlando, Florida. Hey, this is Matt in spring-like Minneapolis, Minnesota. And this is Spencer in the city beautiful Holyoke, Massachusetts, where I'm trying out a new tagline for the city. We're going to see if it takes. I think it's got a nice ring to it. Please tell me it's not the brick city. No. And if anyone of our listeners was ever wondering (laughs) how well Tim listens and pays attention during this show, (laughs) there's your clue. I'm not going to repeat it back for Tim (laughs) because I think it's funnier this way. (laughs) But I think my new slogan will catch on because I don't think anyone else is using it. Yeah, I don't but think But that's so beside the point. We're we're here for bike racing, you guys. And boy, howdy, and this past week has been chock full of bike racing for us to talk about. Is so let's true? let's dig right in. Uh, Spencer, why don't you lead it? You're the real bike race head on the uh, podcast. Oh, <laughs> as an old school bike race head, let me tell you. As the there tables was, have turned. Uh, some bike racing. Yeah, it's the off season, I and some bike so racing. bike racing, yeah. definitely bike racing. But is it bike race? Let's get into the, let's get into it. Oh, are guy. you like, is are you like a real racing? roadie now? You're like such a roadie. I'm you don't, like, you don't believe cyclocross is a thing. I'm like a real roadie. Oh. I'm like, okay, so wow. I know that there's this uh, off season sport that the kids are pretty into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they were not gravel. The other one, the one yeah. before gravel. Mountain bikes. Yeah, mountain bikes are big. Mountain bikes are big. Wait, I thought gravel was still the future. No, no, no. Gravel's dead because the lifetime ruins everything, and now all the gravel racers are going back to cyclocross. Is that true? Oh, cyclocross is back. Cyclocross Cyclocross is is reborn. Reborn. In in the year 2024, uh, my prediction is cyclocross becomes the dominant Competitive sport on two wheels, overtaking mm. gravel, overtaking MotoGP, overtaking all other forms of two wheel racing. Like participation, certainly not uh, in people's ability to watch it, because pretty soon I don't think we have any idea how we're going to be able to watch most cyclocross. <laughs> you so, bring up an interesting point. I feel like that might be hard for them to really get that foothold when. Okay. They won't. Let's level set. Who knows where they'll be? Little guys beating let's around level the bush. Set. Yeah, I'm just, beating around the bush. To, can we stick to the facts? Can we just stick to the facts? Little guy, would GC... you stick to the facts, please? I'd love to. We're trying to do a podcast yeah. here. Yeah, I we're know. trying to. People listen to the podcast for facts. For facts. Yeah. And that is, to put it out there, GCN is to cease to exist. So every the, the problem that well, we all actually enjoyed of too much bike racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, is no longer going to be around because their former owners, which was like Discovery, 
Time, like HBO, whatever. That conglomerate is getting rid of GCN. (laughs) Yeah. So some races will probably go to the uh, Discovery Plus app. Some will go to uh, servers based in um, Albania, (laughs) the TLZ cycling. We're all going to download viruses again. It's back to the mid-2000s as we search for bike racing on the dark web. You know, I'm a traditionalist in cycling, but I'm not this much of a traditionalist. I don't <laughs> want this. Uh, I like my races uh, in in wherever they are on the calendar, but I like to see them. It turns out I really enjoy the clear images. You know, like when we used to mm-hmm. watch those downloaded uh, dark races from like Albania and stuff, I would I would never realize that. Um, I, I hadn't seen a clear image of cycling until the tour would come on TV in, I, in July. Honestly, and I'd be like, whoa, look how crisp the features are on some of I, my favorite riders. You know, I really do think this is why a lot of people think Paris-Roubaix used to be muddier than it is. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like it has always been like it is now. It's just bad footage. It's just mm-hmm. bad, like, internet connection has made us all believe yeah. uh, that it was grainier than this it is, was. That must have been why Hinkepi was always slipping uh, and sliding into the ditch. <laughs> it must have been yeah, muddy. It had nothing to do with just the <laughs> poor, poor Wi-Fi. This is, this is really good. Um, really good point. You know, we are back to not knowing where bike racing was. I mean, last year I was complaining about how there was too much bike racing. Yeah, uh-huh. you did it. I, and I couldn't, so I couldn't figure really out if it was fault. Flow. Yeah. I couldn't figure out if it was Flow Sports, GCN, NBC's mm-hmm. app. It's none um, of those now. <laughs> yeah, and now it's Peacock. Well, they they still have the tour on Peacock the Peacock. Still has so a you few still have things. all of the uh-huh. all the ASO stuff you'll have um, over there. But I'm assuming, in, but Red Bull doesn't exist anymore for. Yeah. XC. So yeah. like it, it they'll find something. It's gonna be on the Discovery app, is my bet. But will I it cost think... more money? That's the thing. It's gonna cost more money. They're gonna oh, find a way. No, the Discovery the Discovery Plus app is like ten bucks a month. Like it it's gonna be a little bit more, but you're gonna be able to watch like property bros. Oh well oh, oh. geez. Wow, oh. changed my life. I here's the I, I like the thing is I already have Peacock. To, I got it to watch cycling, and I've maybe watched two other shows on there, you know. So for the most part, I'm just, you know, it's not. I don't know, have you not have you part. checked out Property Brothers? Because I if have, you were interested, like I am, in mm-hmm. in bike racing, but also in flipping houses in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. it could be a thing right up your alley. Are they in Las Vegas now? Probably. I don't know if that's where they are, but they had a show based there for a while. Okay. I, uh, so, I like, I've gleaned this from commercials. I, I like don't cycling. Know. I haven't watched it. But I, I did watch Poker Face. That was really good. So I guess thank you, so, Peacock, for also having other content. I don't know. Uh-huh. So GCN I, is this gone. Is a, this is a great opportunity for the collegiate racers, the Cat 5s, the Cat 4s, the aspiring <laughs> g- retro grouches. Uh, um, yeah. to really experience what, what it was, was like, like yeah. in the early 2000s yeah. to, you know, to head over to steephill.tv and oh. see if they had links oh. posted so good. Uh, to these random video streams this of is... the footage. Oh. Um, I, and, I miss calling you guys and asking to which hear link you're on. rumors yeah. of, yeah. of this sport called cyclocross and be like, what is that? Like, maybe I should check that. Maybe that would make me, uh, enjoy training in the off season. Well, I don't know. I don't... 
it was all about what link you would go after. Cause I know little guy would ask me like, Hey, what link you on? I wouldn't tell him the one I was on because I didn't want him to like, to screw up the bandwidth on the server. <laughs> oh, so it was um, that fragile. It, yeah. It was yeah, so fragile. It was very fragile I liked, ecosystem. I mean, now we're usually, even if we're watching on other sides of the country and we talk to each other, it, we're at the same moment in the race, but there were so many times where one of us would call the other one and then go, Oh my gosh. And the other one would go, wait, it's, what happened? What? Oh my God. And it would happen. We yeah. realized we were on yeah. four or five seconds different it or, or someone have to be like, you? don't talk. Don't, don't say anything. Yeah. I know I'm behind. I real I just figured out <laughs> that I'm at least 10 K behind. I, I, I can't look at Twitter anymore. Just, you know, it was uh, it was very I, generous and and noble of you, little guy, to say one of us would call the other one and spoil races. Um, <laughs> we we know, we all know what happened. Yeah, but yeah, let's, yeah. Okay, yes, it was me, but I'm more disappointed. <laughs> I'm more disappointed that Valverde isn't still racing, so he could go the full cycle of um, oh. you know, <laughs> racing when no one could watch him race to then yep. watch everything he did to then Val- watch. <laughs> No one watched the race again. Valverde's career lasted longer than GCN. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and that gets the next thing. This. You guys yeah. asked last week, because I think we got an email from friend of the pod, Jeff Aldrich, on if I was a member of the Movistar fan club for 49 euros a year. I, I am not. I did try signing up maybe a, uh, like a year or so ago, and it was not taking uh, my, um, my good old Visa card. Hmm. Smart. Really okay. That was smart the of them. Yeah. yeah. So, so not a member. Um, but it, you know, the holidays are coming around the yeah, corner. Yeah, holidays so are. Be a ride with Valverde. <laughs> oh. I th- I think I would be the highlight. Movistar would pick me. I I have a strong resume. Strong strong resume that they would uh, take me on that ride with Valverde. So speaking of the holidays, we've got mm-hmm. the Christmas period coming up. Christmas and New Year's period for yes. cyclocross. The greatest period of cyclocross. And we, we, right before this GCN thing dropped, we basically got Vanderpool's schedule dropping. We got Wout's mm-hmm. schedule coming out. We got Pitcock's. Mm-hmm. It's like they saw mm-hmm. that. They saw the excitement in the cycling community. And then some executive at Warner Brothers got mad that they were stuck behind a cyclist for three seconds in their Maserati on the way <laughs> into the office. And they said, you know what? Just pull the plug on it. I don't like those guys in spandex. They all think they're Lance Armstrong. It's like we literally had this like... Here you go. Here's your Christmas present. And then they pulled it away from us. Well, you know, it does happen, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm does it? sure one of those cyclocross teams are sponsored by a VPN network. So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. just the way you should do it is just get a VPN and go to Eurosport. So shouldn't be too much of an issue. Um, yeah. Cyclocross around the corner, little guy. That is true. But also with the holidays, it's that it's that wonderful gift giving time. So I just want to give a quick update. Um, want to thank all the listeners of the widening of uh, the Slow Ride podcast because uh, we heard from our friends over there at um, uh, uh, Chapman uh, Manufacturing, and uh, yeah, they're sold out of the bike tool roll part number three nineteen. It's gone. We sold by my count approximately one hundred and twenty of these things. Uh, crushed it. So crushed it. So. They're they're gonna try to make a second one, um, quick. Uh, we got an email from our contacts like, hey, don't forget about us. Like, we'll still make it work. I uh, haven't, it, it, you know, we're on press time. Haven't heard an update, so keep checking it out. But <laughs> sold out. I I mean, 
I, like I asked, like who's Incredible next? Work. It's got to yeah, be yeah. Time Pedals because ATAC is on the cusp of a comeback. Um, someone at SRAM, make the call because uh, the Slow Ride podcast bump is real. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and shout out to the Con- Connecticut economy. We just charged that thing up a bunch with 120 units. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, uh, uh, but th- to your point, Tim, big, big, big thanks to everybody that did order one. We really appreciate it. That helps yeah. a lot. And uh, enjoy your tool rolls because I, I ain't kidding. I I enjoy mine quite a bit, and I think you're gonna love it if you haven't already received it. Uh, definitely shoot us photos or whatever on the Instagram. Tag us, whatever. Tag Chapman, and uh, let us see how you're using I, your tool roll. Yeah. So if they put it back up, just go over there and use promo code SlowRed. Um, I will say that I went on a ride today with a little Niro. I brought my tool roll with me. I was on my uh, single speed mountain bike, my Santa Cruz single speed mountain bike that I've had for a while, the old highball. Um, the reason I'm bringing that up is last week uh, you talked about the bikes that you both have, and then you disparagingly were like, Tim's just going to talk about his moots. Yeah. Yes, I have a moots. I yeah. have a Santa Cruz uh, highball, uh, hey, single hey. speed. Hey, little guy, which, real quick. Which I love. Little guy, I heard this joke the other day. How do you know if um, someone rides a moot? <laughs> Don't worry, they'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. uh, Tim ruined it. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 he, he must have heard this one before. Um, yeah, I got my pan. I got my Panasonic track bike. Uh-huh. I haven't ridden that yet, though. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> you are amazing. You could get. I have. You have a bike in a box, and you have a track bike that you've dream- dreamt about. Can for I? 10 can plus I get through years. my bikes? No, ten little plus guy, years, could, and you haven't ridden you it know, yet. Look, I. I'm it's sorry. Amazing. Like, just hey. <laughs> I've got um. I got my Mozzie Uno Riser. That's my daily driver. Ride that every single day to the coffee shop. Okay. It's the uh, Florida Gator, orange and blue. Go Gators. Um, take that one out. I got my Richie. Swiss cross can't believe you guys didn't bring that up. That's the, the gravel bike campy e-car that I rode across the state of Florida on the gravel roads. Um, last January, I've ridden that a couple times, uh, lately. And then I have this sweet Klein road bike. Um, it's fantastic. Still haven't ridden it. Uh I've had it now since well before the pandemic when, um, uh, when it got sent out, out to me from, uh, Mm -hmm. in Oregon. And uh, yeah, so look, I haven't ridden that one yet. I'm waiting for you to come down here before I throw the the leg over for the uh, unboxing. Are we? You know, maybe for episode 400, we should do an unboxing video alongside of it uh, of the Klein. <laughs> yeah, that could be, be pretty good. cool. That'd be, yeah, yeah, that'd be good. At this rate, I'm gonna um, have a Klein road bike before Tim ever takes us out of the box. <laughs> yeah, so I was I was pretty stoked. I will say though, I am in the market for a new bike, so I do think I'm gonna get a BMX Cruiser, um, and. Yeah, so BMX Cruiser, I think, is going to be the uh, the way to go for future Tim bike. All right, are you still? Uh, this is a message specifically for the legend that is Big Matt. Are you still aiming to get Big Matt's? I know you guys had a non-binding well, uh, verbal agreement. Uh, well, Big Matt has happened. not reached back out to me. He's got that free agent. I would love it. Um, you know, I can wire the money up. Uh, every, every day he waits, it's going to be a dollar less on the offer. Um, so it's free at this point then? Is that, is that? So yeah, I'm a negotiator, (laughs) FBI negotiator. I read a book. 
Um, don't split the difference. Uh, okay, so uh, let's see. Oh, by the way, did we become a Nordic skiing podcast? What happened here? Uh, a Maybe, little like, bit. I left for once, bit. and then now we're talking about wax trucks and all types of uh, carnage in uh, the Norwegian uh, cross-country ski uh, scene, thanks to, uh, uh, what was that, Nate, Nate Shenanko. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, we are like hate mail. We are the number one source, mail. I think, for Nordic Seed. We're getting we're getting multiple emails from people about the inaccuracies of <laughs> Nate's. Um, just just to give oh, you a taste, it fits right of what in. we got. It's, it's um, Leif, Leif in Canada, longtime listener to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Good evening, as someone with a Scandinavian name and the 2006 Ontario Nordic Ski Orientarian open men's champion i'm writing responding to your call for a review of the first nordic corner segment pro the report has maintained the traditional slow ride podcast accuracy and name pronunciation excellent fantastic yep con it's always part of the family con the report talks the report characterizes the sub-national structure of nordic skiing as a trade team structure rather than more accurately as a system of local clubs run like all amateur athletic organizations by local oddballs and uh, over-invested parents. Hmm. True. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Pro, the report maintains the Slow Ride podcast tradition of cutting-edge analysis and creative writing from middle-age endurance enthusiasts. <laughs> Looking forward to more news from Galaver and Dremen. Enthusiasts is a strong word. <laughs> Well, thanks for the review, Leif. I love I it. I hope Nate it. takes uh, that and, uh, you know, responds back. Yeah. A couple of other emails we won't even get to uh, in regards to uh, Nordic Corner. Yeah. But uh, again, we will, we will forward the, uh, them on uh, to the creator. Perhaps yeah. they will yeah. be addressed in future episodes. Yeah. yeah. Nate, Nate's going to have to keep jumping on that. But, you know, it it is off season. I know Psychocross is here. But little guy, the big question mark that I have for you, um, I don't know if you saw the news, but... The head of the UCI, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Laporte? It's very La- French. La- Just Lappy, say it La- yeah. Lappy, as Lappy yeah, yeah. French as you can. That was not very yeah. French. Something like that. Uh, sure. Just like that. Um, he said that uh, due to calendar congestion, uh-huh. he is proposing that Paris-Roubaix and Flanders move to October. Maybe the um, dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Could be the dumbest yeah, I like thing. This. I like this idea. Really? Why do you wait, like this? Wait, I, what's what, the what? congestion? Yeah, what's the congestion? I want to know what the issue is because I don't have an issue with the calendar. Those right are now. the well, biggest the races. Thing... They can't be the ones that have to move. Like you move four four days of Depania. Like why would Flanders? No, have to I move? think because there's no good races in October. Um, you know, I think that you, there's plenty of there's plenty of great things Here's in the, the, thing. the front of spring, but move it to October. There's nothing going on in October before nothing. Lombardia. Yeah, UCI, and this could be UCI moved uh, moved the race. They, we had we had the beautiful week of Flanders and Roubaix during pandemic with the race on Wednesday in the middle as an amuse bouche between the two, just to just to keep the fire burning. And then they go ahead and move that to a weekend and fill up the calendar and cause all this congestion. And I'm just saying, UCI, you did it to yourselves. 
You you keep making things bigger. The th- the three days of whatever is like five stages. Yeah. Quit lying to us. <laughs> Why don't you just stick to your morals and uh, you know make I, make all the stage races, all the grand tours, two weeks, and then bang, you've got three extra weeks on the calendar right there. I think I mean, it's should, been a few years. Oh, I just want them to thank their lucky stars that the vault is not still in April. I mean, I think. Amory or whoever owns the tour in the Volta, just just to show who's the dominant power in the sport, as they always are, <laughs> they should just be like, well, the Volta's in April again. You like congestion? Boom, congestion. <laughs> Enjoy that. <laughs> we can do whatever we want. There's nothing and, in August now. I mean, a little guy, I feel like this is a direct shot across your bow, too, as if there are no races in October that you care no. about. There's nothing good happening. Nothing at all. There's, uh, so obviously, there's no as Tim races. alluded to, there's nothing in October. It's, yeah. There's nothing in October, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna die on this hill that Roubaix and Flanders needs to move to October. I you know what the UCI is full of great decisions. It's it's on the vanguard for um, progressive thought. Yeah, that's and true. And it's helping yeah. revolutionize uh, cycling in this world. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, um, after seeing what they did in Glasgow for the World Championships and every discipline, I think this is great. But I will, as a small caveat, as defense, wasn't there one year when Roubaix and Flanders were actually in October? During Wasn't that the COVID year? Didn't yeah. they move it back? Yeah. And I do recall, if you go back to listen to that episode like I did earlier today, oh. that um, Little Guy and Spencer both were all about it, saying this is a wonderful time of year, because <laughs> if you want truly muddy Paris, Roubaix, and Flanders, now is the time. I mean, October. those races will be great no matter when they are, but it is not fair to any other races that exist and other great races that exist to like throw two giant races in their way. You know, like mm-hmm. it's one thing if some like 1.1 race moves around the calendar in the year. It's a different thing if the tour just suddenly decides it wants to be in February. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's just like it ruins everybody else's day and it's just it's just dumb it's fine the sport is always busy they just made a like you said tim they just did a world championship where they did all the disciplines they literally created a extra busy world championships and talked it up about how it was the greatest thing ever and then when the racing is busy on the road they're like oh it's too busy it doesn't make any sense it's Um, pretty busy though it's but like is that bad? I think because it keeps people's attention. I feel like when cycling loses its luster is the points we've, in the season when you can't remember what the next race is. We've got this problem in cycling that we didn't used to have. And, well, guy, I, I, I'm sorry to say it, but, like, in the 80s, we didn't have this problem. Uh, even okay. in the 90s, to some extent, we didn't have this problem. But it has crept into cycling where we used to have superstars that were one-day classics riders. We had superstars that were week-long, you know, race riders. We had superstars that were Grand Tour riders. And now we expect, you know, Garen Thomas to win every race all year long like he's supposed to do good at at Paris Bay, <laughs> and he's supposed to do good at the Tour de France. We want yeah. Wout to win an Alpe d'Huez, but we want him to win Paris Bay as well. It's and it it it, it cre- that's what creates the congestion. Is like, well, if all the racers don't need to be at all the races, 
it's not congested because you know you split the team up into into a climber team or a two, grand tour team or whatever in a mm-hmm. classic team, which I know they try to do a little bit, but it's a mixed bag really. Um, I think seem- I think we need to embrace that there doesn't need to be a Wout or a Matthew that is going to win the tour and going to win Roubaix and going to win Flanders and going to win. It's fine if you've got an Anka deal and then Marks and they're totally different riders. Yeah. Let me ask a, uh, Hope's too me, good. Posit, He's ruining the calendar. Let me posit a question. Yeah. Let me posit a question for you guys. Yeah. Would you, um, what if GCN <laughs> would only exist if Paris or Bay and Flanders had to move to October. So you could watch bike racing. It's a deal with the devil. In a convenient, safe way. <laughs> or you're going to have to wait for the uh, the magazine report to come like a week later on what happened across the pond. Well, I mean, as you stated earlier, Tim, the VPNs exist. It gets up on YouTube within 12 hours. I mean... Even in a bad situation, we're currently not in that bad <laughs> of a situation. And I am I will make no deal. As a longtime cycling.tv uh, oh. <laughs> subscriber, I will make no... How's that class no, action lawsuit? I, I will make, yeah, I will make no deals uh, that uh, prioritize the companies that are bringing us the coverage because they all exist for moments. They are flashes in the pan before a larger corporate entity decides to hmm. kill them. Because all these companies think they're going to make money in cycling, they're never going to make money in cycling, and I think they, we can make it work. Yeah, <laughs> they just got. Yes, I, I think maybe if we try hard enough, we can make money in cycling. Um, yeah, if we do this long enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, you you throw it back to cycling TV, but I'm going to take you one step further, Tim. Uh, uh, getting my results in a week would be a dream uh, because I. <laughs> I am used to not seeing the tour until the next season when the world cycling productions, uh, 14 yeah. hour version of the tour, uh, uh DVD box set. compilation yeah. set dropped with five DVDs or whatever, uh, full of coverage. So, so Spencer, you've moved a, like maybe a dozen times since the glory days of working at world cycling. It's a long time ago. They've um, been out of business for quite some no, time. No, 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 no. So it's, <laughs> I mean, at least a dozen times, yeah. right? So they yeah. went out of business like, what, 2008, 2009? Um, oh, earlier than that, I think. So are you still, when you're, when you're moving cross-country, uh-huh. cross-city, cross-state, uh-huh. Yeah. do you still have a Rubbermaid bin of World Cycling Productions, DVDs, and VHS tapes? I do. I do. I, do have, you, do I, you... have, uh, I have the... Greg Lamont's uh, greatest here over on my shelf right next to me. So signed by Greg you, himself. Oh, nice. Do you own a VHS player? Like a VCR? Uh, no, I don't own a VCR <laughs> nor a DVD player, but I do. Uh, but you cart, still keep the disc, them around just in case. Okay. Yeah. I still have a, I still have a Rubbermaid um, that's up in the, uh, the garage. I'm trying to figure out when they become vintage enough to bring them to the bike swap as the bike swap world champion. I'm, you know, <laughs> I think I'm going to get an answer pretty soon on this, but, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, it's going to be still, a while. I, I'm still it's carting good. them out around as well. Professional opinion. It's going to be a little while still. Well, what do they say? Oh, Fads come in every 30 years. One of my favorite DVDs that I still own for whatever reason is the 
seminal, seminal cycling classic pro about the Philly classic. Yeah, now, yeah, we've talked about this. I love that show. I saw a post from Jamie Pellinetti, the director uh, of that movie, the producer, I don't know, whatever, probably both. He basically made it with a handy cams like himself. It's, but it's, a, it's an incredible movie and a great snapshot into American bike racing. He put the whole thing up on YouTube. Uh, I think yeah. because the Creative Commons license or something is run out, is no longer copyright. He's just like, whatever, I'm going to put it out to people. So you no longer have to scour eBay to try and find a long lost copy of this uh, DVD, you can watch it on YouTube. So if you're looking for something to do on the trainer this off season, I suggest highly recommend it. Everyone should go watch pro um, find on YouTube and then uh, email us in with your review. Um, Now is pro Spencer, the one that has the infamous Eric Saunders interview where he's talking about closing doors. Absolutely. It is. Yes. Nice. It's also, I think, features Ryan Barnett, who I used to, uh, who I bought several um, shoes and uh, uh, saddles off of because back in the day, the glory days when there was professional bike racing in the U.S., Mm -hmm. um, remember they made their money by selling all of their kit at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's good stuff. So, Pro, check it out. I love that movie. The Mayanuck Wall. Have you ever ridden up that, Spencer? No. Why would I do that? That sounds terrible. Well, you used to be a courier out there. Is this, you know, never had like an ASAP to the top with your reload bag? No, most of my, most of my Chinos and Pat steaks. Yeah, I I did ride by Chinos, gave it the bird. Um, But uh, uh, yeah, most of the runs are just to City Hall and uh, maybe across the bridge into Camden when I was a messenger over there. Nothing out to the suburbs. So Uh, right on. All right. So um, let's get into this week's pre-lap. And then when we get back, we have an overflowing email bag that we need to get to. So let's check in with Cyclocross superstar Matt Allen in this week's Prem Lab. I'm Tommy Walker, and you are listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. All right, here we are in the preem lap. Give a major shout out to all listeners and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Head over to WideAnglePodium.com to find out about our bevy of shows, including the likes of Cyclocross Radio, Bill, Zach, and Mike Bodenheimer. Got it. Nailed it. Got it in one. Nailing it. Yeah, I had a stroke. Sometimes I'm a little delayed. A little, but you know what? Bodie actually listens to the podcast, and he's going to appreciate it that I left uh, hanging on the seat. But let me tell you, that show is awesome because it's keeping me up to date on what's happening in Cyclocross so that yeah. I can hear a little guy talk about it. And then I'm like, that's not what really happened. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, check it out. Go to Cyclocross okay. Radio, wherever you find your podcast. Wait, rate and review. Tell Bill we said hello. I have, uh, I have been really enjoying the video clips. Uh, they've been dropping from the shows uh, on the on the gram and i i assume on the tiktok i don't really know but um you know if bill's not on top of that i don't know i don't know what he's doing i think it's what the kids are into he's definitely on top of it all right and that's um, a statement well yeah he's gonna have to do it now if he's not super key curse is gonna get him nice so let's get back to the show 
Hi, this is Tom Bonen. I don't listen to the Slow Ride podcast. All right, here we are back to the Slow Ride podcast. Make sure you email us at the Slow Ride podcast at gmail.com where all of our, your emails are gratefully received. Let's get straight into it. The first one comes to us um, a little while ago, uh, back in early November. Friend of the pod and former Alma GP superstar promoter Brian Hancock emailed us said, Gents, I'm curious which of the following USA Cycling Foundation auction items are truly priceless. Mm. Is it the single tire signed by Wout, the used DSM kit, or the vintage U.S. Cycling Federation USCF flag? And then uh, provides us with the, the auction for the U.S. Cycling Foundation. It's a fundraiser. Now, when you get your license, you sometimes you're asked if you want to give an extra, like, Fifty dollars to um, these kids so they can live their dreams uh, <laughs> overseas, and so the first thing that we've got, ever a lot of things have priceless values. So like a signed World Championship rainbow jersey from Chloe Digart was valued as priceless, but someone did bid twelve hundred, so it's not really priceless. Um, we have you know some bikes. There's a $8,500 specialized turbo Levo SL comp carbon E mountain bike Sounds valued cool. at 8,500 currently <laughs> bid for 4750. Yeah. One thing I've noticed looking through here, uh, at the auction listings is, uh, there's USA, uh, cycling team kit from Cure, uh, whatever brand that was. There's some USA cycling kit, uh, here from ASOS, um, there's some USA cycling kit here from Voler. Um, there's some USA cycling kit here. From, there's about, I don't know, eight to 12 different brands of how many yeah. kit manufacturers did USA cycling go? There's some Rafa. That, oh man. They just, is there anyone left, uh, that they haven't burned a bridge with? It's impressive. Well, I can think of several people that have never signed up, despite being asked many times. Interesting. Now, friend of the pod, Derek Bouchard Hall, um, you may remember uh, mm-hmm. who who I accosted at the Grand Fondo New York uh, Expo to give my license. Yeah. And I have a famous hair handshake photo where he did not want to shake my hand because no. he knew the hard hitting journalism that was going to come from the Slow Ride podcast as I was there. Uh, he was at Asos. Um, Asos was a sponsor. Um, and then he moved on to, now he's with Pac. So maybe a Pac jersey is the next one? Maybe. We'll have to see. We'll keep our eyes on it. Um, I was also scrolling through here. And there was one item that I was like, this is certainly priceless to answer Brian's question. But it's not here. Perhaps because it's too priceless for the USA cycling foundation auction. And that's, uh, uh, any amount of, uh, uh, stay all inclusive at the, uh, whatever George and Gappy's resort is called. I oh. forget. Oh, Hotel Domestique. Domestique. Hotel Domestique. Yeah. yeah. It's not here. Dude, that's embarrassing. So here's one. How much money would you spend to go on a gravel ride with Keegan Swenson in Patagonia, Arizona? I don't need that. Valued at priceless. How how much is a cup of coffee? $18 these days? Someone's, maybe it's his mom. 
Maybe Keegan's mom uh, is used to f- f- supporting uh, his professional cycling career. I, that's how this usually works. $3,500. Congratulations, oh. Keegan Swenson. That's a hell of a... Good for him. Yeah. Um, now, you could get a mountain bike skills clinic with uh, Leah Davidson, who's probably well... Like That's actually valuable. That's worth it, yeah. Like If you go with two-time Olympic mountain biker... Like, yeah, that's yeah. definitely going to be more valuable than um, just getting dropped on, like, a 10-mile gravel ride. Now, Tim, um, what would you pay to have your very own EF education bucket hat that came along with the jersey, but we know you won the auction for the bucket hat? Maybe like, it, it is listed as priceless. Maybe $50? 50 Interesting. Yeah. Little guy? Bucket hat? You're a bucket hat aficionado, I know. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Yeah, 25 bucks. T- maybe. Tim's more of a fedora guy, but you're a bucket hat guy. I can tell 50 bucks. You got to outbid Tim. <sighs> no, Tim, I'll trade. I have a fedora. I'll trade it to you for the bucket hat. You buy it. <laughs> of course and I'll you trade do. You the of, fedora. Course. of course you have a fedora. So, okay. So this jersey and bucket hat um, from uh, Veronica, yours on uh, EF Education Tipco SVB, uh, RIP. Four hundred and fifty dollars. I think that's a bargain. All right, here here's one. Valued at seventy dollars, or sorry, valued at seven thousand dollars. Lifelong uh-huh. USA Cycling Race membership. So you, so little guy, you you're the most recent person to get a license. Um, how much does a license cost with USA Cycling right now? Oh, I have, I don't know, fifty, like sixty, say hundred bucks. bucks? Oh, I don't know. It's probably a hundred. It went bucks. up. It went up, right? Let's say, yeah. let's say it's a hundred. If you get the so UCI seven thousand dollars, yeah. So they're saying the value is seven thousand uh-huh. dollars. Let's say it's a hundred dollars. Uh huh. That's a seventy years. Like that, they valued. They think that the you, the you average bike racer at USA yeah. Cycling is probably what forty year old male. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they they didn't read the actuarial t- tables, um, but. It's going for thirteen fifty. This is actually huh. a pretty solid deal that someone is undercut. Like someone's done the math here. Uh-huh. Yeah. That if you just raise for thirteen years, you're gonna get your money back on that one. Yeah, but I, I mean, yeah, I guess. So I mean, I guess if I could have bought that at the beginning of my my Life. cycling jur- jur- yeah. journey, yeah. But now it's like, am I gonna? It doesn't make sense. I'm not gonna race more than. 13 times in the next 13 years. Fair enough. Oh, man. Well, anyways, it's good. It's great. Everyone should check it out. The USA Cycling Foundation um, annual auction. Uh, lots of lots of great stuff in there. Brian, thank you so much um, for the I, email. Uh, yeah, I wish I would have gotten this a little couple weeks earlier because it did close already, but uh, they had a Brompton folding bike that went for way under MSRP, and I would yeah. have I would have picked that up for sure. That one is priceless for me. Um, we got a quick email here. This one comes to us from uh, Fabian. It says greetings from Girona Corner, longtime listener, first time caller here. Simply wanted to congratulate Tim on his pronunciation of Thule on the last episode. Chapeau, warm regards, Fabian. P.S. BFC forever. Hashtag you mad bro. I have ridden with Fabian before as part of the Breakfast Club in Miami. 
some of the uh-huh. glorious rides up and over the Key Biscayne Bridge, out towards uh, like Virginia Key. A torrid wonderful climb, times. I've heard. Yeah, it's yeah. it's huge. The amount of people that that do that ride, it's legit. Um, it's it's great. <laughs> is um, that is that the route from the famous banana email? Yes. Well, no, that one was on uh, A1A. A1A. Um, okay, okay. Beachfront okay. Avenue, yeah. When you yeah, when your jersey doesn't have the, pockets, the where thing. do you store the banana? I don't remember in, the episode number, but I wish I did. Yeah, it's in the it's in the shorts. That it's in a Hall sure. of Fame. Hall of Fame email. Um Mark so Martinet hits us up. Hey Slow Ride Crew. I was reminded today that bikes are awesome. This morning I saw the new season of From the Ground Up on Netflix. Watching it. I thought about how I enjoyed watching Unchained, the TDF hmm. series. But I think From the Ground Up is more relatable. It is regular people asked to do something that is hard and maybe impossible. If you're not familiar, the series follows novice mountain bikers as they attempt Leadville after about six months of training. Each participant is provided with a bike, training plan, and skills camp as the documentary follows their journeys. It's the who do I need to start a letter writing campaign to for Netflix to buy the rights so more people can watch this. Thanks for the great show, Mark from Atlanta, Georgia. P.S. Not sure if you're still doing pain caves, but here's mine. The Paramount <laughs> on the wall was inherited from a family member that cannot ride anymore. Love still it. need to get it built up. And it it's a nice. gratuitous pain cave with the, the squat rack with two plates on both sides. Like, <laughs> okay. like now, well done for the photo, you know? Yeah, some of the best workout he's gotten in a while, putting putting all those plates yeah. on for the photo. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's so good. 100% what I would have done, too, so I appreciate it. He's trying to take away from the fact that he's got a sweet alchemy on that uh, trainer there in his <laughs> uh, Zwift cave. But, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is a good one, Mark. Thank you so much for your email. I will, I will check out the, uh, the show. I have not seen that. But sounds interesting. The next email, the next email comes to us from Jesper Salzit. Jesper just emails us. Seems like the Australians have stolen USA's number one cyclist, Michael Woods. Little guy, can you give us the update on what Jesper is re- referring to? I don't actually know. I think he alludes that the, Woodsy didn't have a contract in there, but I just looked. And I think he's got a contract for the next two years with uh, whatever they are. So um, whatever the heck wow, team he's on. Wow, that's, that's, that's very the, insightful. I couldn't remember. Is Israel or whatever, the Israeli team. I couldn't remember their name. Okay, um, so he's still on the uh, Israeli pro cycling team. Yeah. So he's still there. I don't know. Maybe Why would they even give him another contract? I mean, did they win anything other than that tour stage he won this year? <laughs> so they sort of owed him contract so i don't know but um anyways shout out also doug ross thanks for the uh, great email about what we ride bikes answered that a little bit earlier and then i just want to give a shout out to max cooper for an awesome time talking about some of the uh ground control tires uh (laughs) while rocking the uh oh what was the big surly fat bike the moon the moon moonlander moonlander yeah. Was the yeah. ice cream the ice cream social ice cream was truck. that bigger? It was called the ice cream truck, not the I ice think cream the Moonlander was a big one, yeah. Got an okay. email here from uh Michael. Can pirates ride? 
Oh. Hi, team. It's Michael here from Aussie Corner. Earlier in the year, I sent you an email about my son's water bottle being found in the Jayco caravan months after he lost it. <laughs> so good. I also said that I wouldn't buy one of their caravans unless they would give me some signed Jayco team merch as part of the deal. Uh. And, and as a brief editor note, you may recall that I did not believe that Jayco was actually a caravan manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Um, Well, we recently returned from our family trip around much of Australia. We bought a a rival brand's caravan for our trip. It cost nearly 80,000 Australia dollars. Little guy, can you look up how many 80,000 Australian dollars are? I'm going to say it's about 40,000 US. I think, Tim, I think they're pronounced dollaroos, but I'll look it up. (laughs) Dollaroos? Okay. Uh, It cost nearly 80,000 Australian dollaroos. That's a fair bit of coin. It is lovely, so we planned and packed and set off at 4 a.m. for our 700-kilometer first leg. An hour in, the the suspension broke, and we limped home. Dreams destroyed, you might think. Hopes dashed, but no. Within hours, we had a second-hand Jayco. Packed, and off we went. No signed Jayco jersey. No posters of Michael Matthews to decorate the pain cave, uh, but we did have a solid van. Seems like Jerry Ryan got his way after all. Photo attached. Oh, he always does. He always, he always does. He always does. does. That's yeah. right. You can't Crikey. deny Jerry Ryan. Uh, now, oh, go ahead, Luke. Oh, well, how many dollars uh, is eighty? So eighty thousand Australian dollaroos is fifty-two thousand uh, American yeah, greenbacks. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's a that's a chunk of change. Uh, it's a definite chunk of change. Now I ask, can pirates ride? So this last week I had an issue. I got some ridiculous infection of my right eye causing it to completely close over. I could not see out of it at all. The doctor told me I should limit my, dri- limit my driving, but did that mean I can't ride? I've been training for an upcoming event and don't want to ruin stall my fitness progress. So I went to ride at a local crit and was told by other riders I should not race as it is dangerous. They murmured amongst themselves and eventually a race race official came to me minutes prior to the start and politely asked me to reconsider riding the event. Then insisted. Dejected, I packed up and went home. Wow. This is brutal. That is brutal. This is brutal. So, So I asked, can pirates ride? If I have one eye and a patch and turned up to a race, is anyone going to stop me? I would say no, as the inclusive nature of sport is big over here, and everyone would be scared of being that person that was not inclusive. So, Surely, if I stuck to the right-hand side of the hot dog-shaped track, everyone who wanted to pass would have to come around my left side, so I'd see them just fine. <laughs> what so if I had a mark? Go ahead. What we're this saying is, is, is if you have an infection in your eye is closed, you can't race, but if you did not have an eye physically... You could, like yeah. Th- this is this is what uh, Michael's is getting argument. at. Because this is the because Michael continues. Yeah, what if I had a Marco Pantani inspired eye patch? Would mm-hmm. that be okay? Mm-hmm. Certainly. Would then would that then inspire fear in my competitors and give me the edge I needed to win? Or would they conclude that my heavy intake of antibi- antibiotics, both oral and topical, were in in fact performance enhancing and I would need to take a post-race piss test in the nearby heavily graffitied and somewhat unsanitary, unsanitary local toilets to be sent to the commissaire's best friends, cousins twice removed who is in their second year of a university chemistry degree, but is the final authority on all things contraband. Mm -hmm. 
What do you guys think? Can pirates race? Yeah, I think yes. Yar. Yes. I, I understand. I understand where the racers are coming from because if you no. just it, no wait, listen, Tim. So hey, if wait, you mm, if you have okay. an eye, like you have maybe you only have one eye, whatever you have an issue, you mm-hmm. are going to be used to having one eye, and you have like yes, you you know how to move in the world. If any one of us went out with one eye, our depth perception would be totally off. And we would be a danger to ourselves and to others. So I'm saying, sure, sure, sure. if you show up and you're like, oh, I just got an infection, it's okay. I've had an eye patch on for a day. I think it's fair for the other racers to be like, this guy's going to run into something. Well, as just opposed hang out to... at the back. Whatever. Um, <laughs> so you so can run look, into everybody. Guy, can you answer yeah. this question to the affirmative that okay. over the course of your racing career, many thousands of races, Thousands of kilometers, a couple hundred miles raced. Um, <laughs> couple hundred miles. Never once have uh-huh. you forgotten your contacts when you showed no. up to race. That no. you were you were twenty twenty vision ready to go. I was always twenty twenty. Other than the night races and, where and I was that, blind as a bat, and I, and and I felt like I was hundred years old. Excluded from any time you weren't fully twenty twenty. You know, every time I ride at night, I rode at night yesterday. I think about those night races like a Jingle Cross and how much of a waste of money and time and effort that was. Because I, I since I've been like twenty, I am I am basically ninety five years old when the sun goes down. I can't see. <laughs> I I don't know where I'm going. Couldn't tell. I feel <laughs> out of it. Uh-huh. But. No, I haven't. One race, no, one race, a mountain bike race, I did fall on my face, and I lost my contact uh-huh. falling on my face, and I did dropped you out retire? of the race. Okay. I did no, retire. Because, did you drop out? Yeah, there was no way. With mm. one contact in, I I mean, as it was, I'd already fallen on my face with two good eyes. Well, you know, how, I, how much better could it get? Michael, Michael, first off, in America, you'd be allowed to race because there wouldn't be any other racers at the event. So that's that's one. You gotta pad um, out the numbers so people can get upgrade points. Yeah. They'd, they'd beg you, know you to race, please, yeah. please. <laughs> yeah, it's so, true. You know what? <laughs> I think if you show up and you get kitted up and you've got the race number on, they can't come over there and try to tell you to get out of there. Like, no. Here, that's here's, not, yeah. Here's the thing. You, like, you, you are your own best judge, right? And and yes. I'm going to have to rely on the fact that you felt that you could do this correctly and not be a danger to anyone else. That is, I am choosing to believe that that is the reality in which we're living. Um, if, if you don't know that and you're just experimenting in the field, that's bad news. But, um, yeah, like people show up sick, they show up like little guy and do night races. They can't see anything. Um, you know, all kinds of things are poor decisions. They, they, my license still says cat two on it. That's, that's such a poor decision. Um, but they'll let me do it because whatever. And, uh, I think maybe a little self-selection is, is better yeah. for things. You know, I'm just happy. Michael was there in the first place to, uh, uh, to go race bikes. Yeah. Um, Michael also asks us if he can become a official slow ride podcast correspondent at the upcoming tour down under, um, I would say yes. <laughs> sure. I he does ask for an official T-shirt. Um, I I believe the official T-shirt is a white undershirt with a sharpie that says "Slow Ride Podcast Rules R U L E Z." Do you guys concur? Cool. 
Are yeah. You all easy? Yeah, sure. that's correct. With, with yeah. the cool S. Okay. With the cool S. Um, now, cool if you're gonna get the if you're gonna get the uh, Slow Ride Podcast coveted press pass at a global race around the world, like we've had many other people do. Uh, you do got to send us in some uh, some drops that say, you know, this is Michael Matthews. I listen to the Slow Ride podcast. And then Duck, um, after you ask him uh, to do that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you know what? Go get him. Go get him, Michael. Thanks for the email. Um, always great to hear from you. Let's keep this show on the road. Next one comes to us from Andy. Uh, the spacious pain cave for now. Basement finishing in progress having to pivot the bike around the toilet drain <laughs> homemade table with old computer monitor that mostly works all powered by a 12 year old MacBook that can't hold a charge. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's a Trek 2200, no brakes. Cause that makes you slow. The wheels are not roadworthy anymore mm-hmm. and have been trued with a hammer a few time. Yeah. It's the rat. It's the old Ragbri team cutter bike. Still smells like stale beer and pie. Uh, also included evidence is the feline coach Walter. Walter the cat is in here. Overall, I am loving this basement. Um, it's pain cave still just bare walls, just studs, and uh, definitely a twelve out of uh, ten. I that cut that cutter's bike with the Spinergy tires or Spinergy wheels. Sorry. Is amazing. I don't understand how the Spinergy wheels aren't roadworthy anymore. That seems weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, even if you don't check our Instagram, even if you don't go to look at this photo, I think the poetry uh, in this email can really, uh, you know, like, it's just like you're there. You're instantly transported uh, to avoiding the toilet drain yourself and to... Uh, that's something we can all aspire to. So, you know, maybe, maybe think about that, guys. You know, reflect on that uh, over the next week and, you know, really get in tune with yourself, you know? Well, it's a, it's a great email and a great basement. Thanks again for the contribution, Andy. Um, and we will keep this uh, party on the road. Next one comes to us from Stuart. I've been listening and subscribing since I, well, since, <laughs> sorry, let me start that one again. Cause this one's, yeah. yeah. Uh, Stuart's been uh, listening and subscribing since when I assumed you recorded the show on your phones mm-hmm. and the neighbor's Wi-Fi was flaky at best, but I never submitted anything. So please find attached my pain cave, more cycling macho BS. Keep <laughs> up the good work. Thanks, Stuart. Oh my God. This is a basement. We're going to send this one on here. You got some cornhole in the background. You have trash everywhere. Plywood down. And that's a Van Dessel in the back. So someone's been shopping at Decathlon. Um, Things are looking pretty good here. Little guy, what do you think of this one? Um, Oh, I I love this one. It's got, uh, it makes, it feels, I feel right at home. All the extra cardboard boxes in the Mm -hmm. corner and just like, yeah, it looks like a tripping hazard all over it. It feels like home to me. It's it's how I don't know how a pain cave should be. I don't know if Stuart's got a cat, but I can smell it through the uh, <laughs> computer screen. I uh, I appreciate the the park tool stand in the background buried uh, beneath a <laughs> yeah, few totally layers of things, <laughs> within the feedback stand uh, a little nearer to the top of the pile. So uh, yeah, interesting yeah, the... dichotomy of cycling exchanging, you know. <laughs> 
the, I like yeah how you either of them though you have to move a couple bikes and like a folding table yeah. and I'm, you're I'm, probably gonna get attacked by that bubble wrap. Yeah, you're you can't get anything done quickly. No. I like it. But but you've you've invested fully in the uh, the probably the previous living room TV has been demoted to the basement <laughs> TV because it's a pretty yeah. big screen that you got uh, to blast the retinas a lot. with the Watopia the the wonderful yeah. UV of Ut- Watopia coming straight that's into the eyeballs. A, that's such a good uh, such a good basement there. Yeah. Um, just when I th- uh, this this next email comes to us from Rob the logic of little guy. Just when I think Matt's retro grouch ways have peaked, he hits us with a story like the 2023 Minnesota State <laughs> Cyclocross Championships. He's good for that. Yeah. How does a man have time to make four separate visits to the pits? Yeah. Time okay. to change his front wheel two, maybe three times, and yep. time to use a floor pump to overinflate said tires to 65 PSI, but not make time for... I don't know, 10 seconds once that tire has finally sealed to let 30 to 40 PSI out of it? It was a question that I was left wondering yeah. about. Yeah. Are his tubulars so old that they have Schrader valves? Possibly. <laughs> Not Possibly. Yeah. At least tell me you crossed the finish line and collapsed in a dramatic heat like Matthew Vanderswoon loves to do. Or, for the fans of Nordic Corner, every cross-country skier. Mm-hmm. Yep. The fans demand those theatrics in 2023. Little guy, did you collapse when you crossed the finish line? Uh, no, I think I just went over to the bucket and threw my chip in. But I, I guess it, maybe I kind of collapsed over by my sandwich. So, But let's talk about 2024. I can't sit idly away again next year. We all know he recoils at the <laughs> sight of any part made in the last five-plus years. So I will happily mail him a very yeah, okay. vintage tubular. It's a Clement PDX, not Donnelly, so it's at least seven years old per Google. The oh, center yeah. knobs are so worn, yep. it's yep. basically yeah, a good. file tread. And, of course, it has a slow leak. I like it. <sighs> Re- Those are the best Reclaim files. your glitter, <laughs> make some sparkly stand soup, and use my crappy old tire to redeem yourself, little guy. Well, assuming you can find your shoes again. Yours in middle-age bike racing mediocrity, Rob. Thanks, oh, Rob. The generosity. Uh, no, it's very generous. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I am sort of uh, flush with questionable tubulars. I don't know how many more questionable tubulars Hello. I need in my life. I, 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 you know, I read this email and I thought, but the thing is, here's the thing. I did not trust that tire uh, would stay s- stay sealed up if I lowered the pressure. Okay. Right? Mm. That's why I didn't do it. So I would like to report... Everyone be very excited. I left it at 60 PSI. I left both of the front wheels just cranked to the max. And I checked them a couple days ago. They're still rock hard, full of air in the basement. So I'm hoping if I leave them long enough, then I can actually run them at a proper pressure. Should be ready by next next year for states. Yeah, it will dry out. And uh, update two, update number two. I still know where my shoes are currently. Uh, I'll have to text uh, Caitlin, so get them thrown out. Yeah, do you want to say it on air so that we can refer back to this next year when you've lost them again inevitably? Well, no, no I should actually keep that to yourself. No, yeah, well, uh, no, it's I, better. I, I, yeah. They're in a ba- they're basically like in the middle of the basement, like literally in the middle on the floor. They're in a bad place. I mean, uh-huh. I should put them somewhere. You're right. I should put them away. I'm going to put them away before next week's episode. I will wait 
So right before we record, and I okay. will say you on air where I put them, and I'll like Instagram post. I'll do everything so that I can. Uh, email back. here from Angus. Yeah. Hello. Just listened to the last podcast and Matt's tire experience. I have upgraded to a disc cross bike this year. <laughs> and with that, I have regrettably switched to tubeless. This leaves me with three hmm. FMB tire sets, mud, file, and intermediate Ooh. that need a good home. If Matt is interested, then please let me know and I'll send them off so he has time to glue <laughs> them up before next season. Cheers, Angus. He's a hundred percent interested. Angus, yeah. Angus, email us, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll just we'll just give you the old PO box uh, address. I I gotta say, um, <laughs> little guy, do you have oh, thanks, three man. tubular rims? Yeah, I have, I have, I think I have five <laughs> front wheels, and I have at least three. I might have four rear wheels. I mean, that's the thing is, I have a lot of tubular wheels, and I have. Not a lot of tires, obviously, because the well, ones it sounds I ran like the, the race sounds like the team is uh, the team so is the uh, coming problem. to help you. Um, yeah. Not, yeah. Le- oh, thanks. Leo, that's awesome. That's awesome. Leo Black Label must have been at the library. I don't know what he was doing, but he uh, he sent over to us. All it says is Tim Hayes dropped out of the University of Minnesota to become a bike courier. And it and it is uh, pictures true. of the world famous, uh, what was it, November two thousand four photo shoot of uh, the bike couriers in downtown. I was the cover boy, looking resplendent in my orange, obviously Manchester obviously. City uh, jersey. We've talked about this photo shoot before. Uh, Spencer wanted to pick on my socks all those years ago, but now they look even more fashionable. Um, as I was on my breakless fixie. Looking good. Um, Style on the move was the name of the story. And oh, man, so great. It's really good. Did your parents ever see that article? Too? Yes. They yes. They, 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 they were so proud of me. They um, were so yeah. proud, I bet. Of especially that, that, it, that it just says Tim Hayes dropped out of the University of Minnesota. Like every parent's dream, your kid in the newspaper, and it just says they dropped out of college yeah. to do what? Yeah, Be it was definitely messenger. the highlight of my mom's uh, year, especially my my smiling um, face on there. Uh, they did also feature my tattoo. Uh, yeah, they, that was Peak Tim, mm-hmm. as as they would say. Oh yeah, you, that was Peak Tim. Yeah, I guess I mean we got to get these up on the internet uh, because a lot of people haven't seen what Peak Tim looked like. You're look, you're I, good, I think Tim. I look really fast. fast. I mean, I don't know. Spencer was uh, was intimidated by me. Oh, certainly. Yeah, I didn't want to be around <laughs> you at all. All right, let's keep this uh, show on the road. Uh, <laughs> cat content. Let's get some cat content here. Um, Gary oh, Owens. I love the cat. Slow ride. I enjoyed last episode's cat box corner, and it reminded me I have a cat-themed story that includes bicycles. About a month ago, I was participating in a bi-weekly evening gravel ride miles away from my house. As we were riding, we heard very loud, frantic meowing coming from an open field. It was loud enough to be unnerving, so we stopped to investigate. Out of the tall grass came a small gray cat that seemed desperate to make contact with us. She was not feral, and we surmised she she had been dumped out in the country. We were about eight miles away from our vehicles and figured we would go back and return to pick up the cat if we could find it. 
As we started to ride away, the cat tried to follow us, and it was gut-wrenching to see its desperation. One of our group, Zach, decided to try zipping the cat up in his jersey in order to make it back to the parking lot. I didn't think there was a chance in hell that it was going to work. But somehow Zach got back without crashing and getting scratched to hell. I took the cat home and took her to the vet the next day. I found out she is healthy, six-year-old female, and decided my cat needed a sibling, so I adopted her. I wanted to name her Gravel Cat, G-R-V-L, Gervel Cat, but was strongly vetoed by (laughs) my family. She is named Mags and a new member of my family. I've attached photos that are actually better than the story. Gary. And we're going to put those photos up on the old Catstagram. And I got to tell you, this cat is looking good. What a story. And incredible story i love it i love that there's a photo of the cat in the jersey zach is a hero um so it's very cute zach zach is we'll, a we'll hero. get you an episode uh, 400 but, t-shirt but... <laughs> yeah i love everything about this story good job gary good job zach good job everybody that was there on the ride and i'm glad mags has uh got a place to be sounds like uh sounds like you found a, a and... winner uh, and, and and she did as well. And and you can always say it's for Magnus Bagstead, uh, former winner of Peru Bay and staunch opponent of Peru Bay being in October. <laughs> That's right. I think we're going to do uh, two quick more emails. Uh, pain Cave, uh, this one comes to us from Ryan Carnahan. I hereby submit photos of my pain cave. It's admittedly not a cave, but does contain a cave in the form of, an, of a kid's fort, which has made for difficult but not impossible access the last few weeks. Lest you think it would be too nice or soft with properly arranged furniture, I want to note that this is an unheated sun porch and most of my trainer rides are during Iowa winters. (laughs) Frost on the windows and dark mornings are not unusual. The bike is an early 90s stump jumper that I've had around since 98 and was updated a couple years ago with wider riser bars. The drivetrain is a 3x8 and it has about four gears high enough to be worth using on the trainer. Cheers, Ryan. This is an amazing looking pain cave, uh, but the bike definitely <laughs> takes the cake with the trainer tire on the back. Ah, uh, it's good. Yeah, it's good. the The cake for me is the Thomas the Tank Engine Fort uh, <laughs> out there because I we had one of those for the first couple years of uh, little Tom Boonin's life, so uh, brought back some memories. Yeah, I, I played in oh. that fort. Get on the this pain is an train. Amazing submission. Put in the work, Absolutely. Dad. I don't know where in Iowa Ryan is, but let's just assume he's in Dubuque. Go Hawks. Cyclone. We're a, we're a Cyclone family. Oh, go Cyclones. Oh, yeah, cyclones. Gee, oh no. Cyclones. Oh, God. How can okay, I Okay, uh, this final one comes to us to us from... Ooh, let's see. Who is this? I don't even know who this is. Um, but it says, hey, guys. My shop hosted a vintage bike show over the weekend, and we had some snazzy bits come through that I thought y'all would enjoy. A 1980s Chanelli BMX with complete Campagnola build. Uh, we have a Nishiki tandem with both a drum uh, and some crazy boosted roller cam canties. A well, replica yeah, for you. of Connie Carpenter's really 1984 Olympic gold winning Raleigh 555. There's all types of great kit. And mm-hmm. I did uh, reach back out saying, what shop and location, and this is in Landry's in Worcester, Massachusetts. And I said, very cool. 
I was in the Norwood location a few weeks back. To which Greg writes, Oh, that's a shame. We are much cooler and would have recognized a Shawamigan champion <laughs> when he walks in. The uh, disrespect in my own state. That was oh, yeah. multiple times. I mean, Greg Afsa just totally burying it here. Um, but Greg, this is an amazing submission. To me, it's the Chinelli mountain bike, uh, the Chinelli BMX bike with the full campy build. That thing is a beaut. Um, yeah. Little guy, you like the drum brakes on that uh, Nishiki tandem? Oh, the drum and the roller cam. I mean, that's that's kind of a dream right there. Now, <laughs> two, uh-huh. uh, uh, brake technologies that you probably can't find a mechanic uh, younger than 35 now, to work on. I love it. 35, so, that's, that's being generous. Yeah, that's now, one of my generous. favorite things here um, is that there is a uh, like accoutrement table. So there's a time, uh, you know, road pedal. There's some Karnak shoes. But there is a Sat- Team Saturn jersey vest combo i'm just assuming because this is at landry's that that is a donation from uh one of the mccormick brothers uh, uh looking looking fantastic mm. but little guy did you see the picture with all of the bikes lined up and there's at least was that three clients in this photo there's a lot of clients in this um, vintage uh, photo, and th- I mean this this is a great show. Doing a uh, a vintage bike fest. Um, there's a Proflex in there. There's some amazing bikes. Uh, kudos to the folks at uh, Landry's for putting this one together. Um, the Bridgestone back there, but yeah, the clients looking good. Even a Kurt Bontrager um, bike before the big purchase. So. Many thanks for Greg for uh, that contribution. Um, gentlemen, it's been another fantastic podcast. We'd like to um, thank all of the people that have emailed us at the slow ride podcast at gmail.com. Keep them coming. Keep this off season going. I'd like to thank um, especially Leif and Nate Trenenko for their nonstop uh, interest in Nordic ski uh, competition. And uh, head over to Chapman Manufacturing if you want to check it out. Uh, slow ride code if they bring up the more... Uh, uh, Tool rolls, they will. And with that, this is Tim in Orlando. Us, Matt in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in the city, beautiful Holyoke, Massachusetts, reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists who see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast.com. And on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Hi, this is Nate Chenenko in Rochester, New York, with episode two of Nordic Corner, the least good part of the slow ride podcast uh noticed that spencer was attempting to solicit some crowd feedback from the audience on the quality of nordic corner uh, and i'm pleased to report that we've got a itunes review here on the slow ride podcast from an a valverde and a valverde writes hola i am a frequent listener to the slow ride podcast and was very excited to see 
the addition of Nordic Corner after the credits last week. I have never been inspired to write in because I found the quality of the podcast merely average, but I am looking forward to seeing more similar content in the future. And so I think that's a pretty good review. I'm, I'm happy to see some crowd engagement here. I also received a question from one of the three Slow Ride podcast hosts about the wax truck that I mentioned in last week's episode of Nordic Corner. So that will be the topic of this week. The parallel to cycling here is, you know how at cycling races, everybody, every team shows up with like, they got the team bus and then the mechanics all bring their truck and there's a bunch of mechanics and they're all tweaking on stuff. And we always think that it's such a hard job and they're pumping up tires. And especially in cyclocross, it's all muddy and dirty. And it's definitely like a very challenging job. The parallel in cross-country ski racing is every team rolls up with a wax truck, which was pioneered by, I think, the Norwegians. And then the Swedes followed them. And this was probably like in the 90s, honestly, way before I started paying attention to this ridiculous sport. And so these wax trucks are like a ventilated space because ski wax is extraordinarily toxic at, at like, especially at like the pro levels of wax quality and the volumes that they use. It's super toxic. So the wax trucks are really well ventilated and they've got a bunch of wax tables. And so they all iron on and brush in all the ski wax into the bases of the skis. But more so than the wax trucks, which are huge, they have like, they're like RVs on steroids. They're RV doping. They've got pop outs to the side. One of them has a porch in the back. The Norwegian one has a second level that pops up that's like a lounge for the athletes. Um, they've there before all the World Cup races, they occasionally do some like B roll footage from inside the wax trucks, and it's like a whole operation. The process of the waxing is crazy too. They have like imagine that in order to set somebody's tire pressures for like a cyclocross, like a World Cup cyclocross race or you know, TT World Championships or something, the mechanic had to go test it personally to make sure it was good. At tire pressure, you just get a number, you know what you like. And there was discussion about this. Some people really care, some people really don't. But ski wax is extremely subjective and it is highly dependent on the conditions of that day. So like snow temperature, snow consistency, the amount of moisture in the snow, the terrain, the altitude, there's like a ton of things that affect all of this so the waxing technicians have to go test all the skis some teams have different testers but often it's the wax techs who do it so they'll wax up two different sets of skis they'll go out there and they wear like a bunch of drink belts or which effectively act as weight and they try to make themselves the same weight as the athlete and then they go up with their wax tech buddy both on different sets of skis and they start at the top of the slope and then they ski down a short ways. And when they get to the bottom, they just see who's further ahead. And those skis basically make it to the next round. So they'll use those as the baseline for the next round of waxing. It's wild. It's like a whole scene. And in order to enable this, the top level skiers on the World Cup, which is like effectively the world tour, uh, have between 50 and 100 different pairs of skis that have different base grinds, different cambers, different flexes, different, sometimes even different lengths. Um, there's difference between skate skis and classic skis. 
So it's like a whole scene. It is like a full production. And if you really want to get into it, the Norwegian team has ski base grinders, which is just a big stone wheel that takes tiny little layers of ski base off of every ski. They send grinders ahead of the World Cup team. So if the team is in Switzerland this week and is headed to Sweden next week, they'll have a grinder in Switzerland to grind all the skis for that week's race. And then they'll have the next grinder already pre-staged in Sweden for the following week's race. So they always keep a grinder one step ahead. And then for the Olympics in Beijing, where nobody knew, they'd never done a competition there, so nobody knew what the snow was like, Norway rented a either one or multiple apartments or garages for all of their waxing and had people out there testing on and off for almost a year before the Olympics. So it's like it's like literally a whole city of these people just testing wax. And I personally think it puts world tour mechanics to shame. They're certainly hardworking people, but they're not skiing up and down steep slopes for 12 hours a day, breathing in toxic fumes, wearing respirators and trying to fuel up and then get enough sleep before the next day's activities. So that is the that concludes this episode two of Nordic Corner. Excited to get all of your reviews, which I'm sure will be excellent. And we will do episode three next week. There's an elegance to bike racing. For all its technology and engineering, it's a simple question of physics. How do you move a body through space as quickly and efficiently as possible? When the rider and the machine work as one, it's almost as if the solid world has melted away and all that remains is the spirit, the pure, raw, and unfiltered soul of sport. Life is measured in many units, miles, kilometers, kilos, and pounds, but we measure it one corner at a time. We've entered the golden age of crit racing, the most exciting spectator event in sport, where all of human drama plays out before us on our city streets. On this show, we bring you the news of the day and take you inside the personalities of the teams and riders and right up to the gates of the premier events in the world. Welcome to Criterium Nation. Thank you.